Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Lockdown Heat, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm the editor at AllYouCanHeat.com, and with me on the other line, a man of many bylines, it's David Ramil. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm uh, looking forward to answering some mailbag questions from our many listeners. We're going to power through this thing. I'm, a, I'm still a little under the weather, in case you couldn't tell. Um, I think my voice is still a little uh, congested, but we're going to get through this thing. I think it makes you sound distinguished, man. Don't worry about it. I'm going to put on my fake pair of glasses now. Do you have like a monocle by any chance? I think it really helps. You know what? I'm wearing my monocle right now, so that's perfect. Excellent. <laughs> um, we've got a great show today for the mailbag. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some other free agent possibilities next summer because we'd mm-hmm. love to talk about that. Um, some Tyler Johnson comparisons um, and some trade ideas. But first, we got a question. About Tyler John, about Rudy Gay, a Rudy Gay trade. His name has been coming up in trade rumors around the NBA lately. So um, Patrick Phillip asks, does a Tyler Johnson and Josh McRoberts trade for Rudy Gay sound possible and make sense for the Heat? Now, just to cover our bases really quick, Tyler Johnson can't get traded until December 15th. Right. So that's important to keep in mind. That's still before February's trade deadline, obviously. But it would be a few months into the season before the Heat could even trade Tyler Johnson for anything. Um, so we got to keep that in mind. Um, in regards to salary, Tyler Johnson and Josh McRoberts, when you combine their salary, that comes about $2 million short of what Rudy Gay is making. He's making about mm-hmm. $13.3 million this season. Okay. So the Heat, in order to make that deal swing we'd probably have to add Luke Babbitt and Briante Weber. And then adding those two salaries, that would make it work. Um, but that's now trading four players for one. So is it realistic? It's possible. Like, they could do that. And, you know, it's only, you know, when you're really thinking about it, it's Luke Babbitt and Briante Weber who are fringe players, right? Um, assuming Weber's on the roster at that point. If not, it's probably Ben Udry. Um, so his salary would probably be around the same. So it should still work. Um, but that's, you know, that's still four players that you're going to be moving for one Rudy Gay. So you'd have to fill in some roster spots afterwards. So that's kind of how I think the dynamics work. But I think the only way that that happens, right, is obviously if Rudy Gay is still on the Kings by December, and if by then the Heat are have gotten a few months' worth of Tyler Johnson's sample size, and they're going to, and at that point don't think he was worth the $50 the million dollar over four years investment. Right. You know, and they're like, you know what? Maybe we just cut bait before this poison pill contract really kicks in. Because Tyler Johnson, even though his average salary is gonna be t- like about twelve and a half million per year, he's only making a little bit more than six point five million this year. So right. that could be a way to bail on his contract. I think my only perspective on that, though, is if you do that, if you try to bail on Tyler Johnson in, in, at December by shipping him off, you're basically picking Rudy Gay over Dwayne Wade at that point. 
That is one way of looking at it. It's yeah. uh, it's 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 it boils down that way. But I guess that's going to be the perception from a lot of critics at large across the country when they look at the move. I think the Rudy Gay thing. I mean, it stems from uh, an alleged report that, or a report that he allegedly was considering Miami as a possible trade de- destination. I don't think he's requested a trade. I don't think the front office. Well, I mean, the Sacramento's front office has been anything but clear. So I don't know that anybody's necessarily, you know, indicated that they're looking to trade him or anything like that. And, you know, judging from the Kings' most recent transactions, they could just ship him out, you know, at the spur of of a moment and nobody would be, you know, uh, aware of what was going on. Or I don't think we'd have any kind of clear indication as to what their moves might be. So it's all very vague there when it comes to, you know, Sacramento's front office and any kind of possible moves they make. But I think the appeal from the Heat fan perspective is that he's a fairly big name, even one that's been kind of dragged through the dirt in recent years. I think you look at you know the, his his trade from Memphis to Toronto and then how Toronto shipped him to Sacramento and the Raptors continue to do better. The, the, the Grizzlies did better. And, you know, the Kings are such a dysfunctional mess at this point that he's kind of been linked to these you know, bad situations. I don't know that he's necessarily responsible um, for the, the decline of their teams or, or the fact that teams got better when he was traded away. Uh, it could have just been a mere coincidence. I know there are some numbers to indicate that he's not very efficient as a player. And then again, from the Heat fan perspective, do you like the, the, the fact that he's a, a big name, that he's, you know, got some, you know, all-star credentials there, that he's been representing Team USA in the past and he can do a number of things. He, he does fill a a number of different roles for the team. But I just don't think that it's viable to consider trading Tyler Johnson this early on, even though you're, you might be looking to get out from under that poison pill last two years of his four year deal. I think to, to give up on it that quickly for a guy like Rudy Gay, who's already an older veteran, who's on the last year of his deal, who's not guaranteed to resign in Miami. Um, he can opt, he can opt out, right? right, Yeah. At the end of next season. Yeah. So it's, it seems like far too much of a sacrifice for a player that Mickey Harrison supposedly, you know, was willing to pay that much money to keep. You know, if we're to believe Pat Riley, as we've talked about in previous press con- uh, previous podcasts, that you know his 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 most recent press conference was that Mickey Harrison indicated he would match Brooklyn's offer because he didn't want the Nets to take quote unquote their guy. You know, Tyler Johnson's part of the franchise moving forward. He really likes his attitude, his spirit, what have you. To give up on him by December, you know, especially for a guy coming back from an injury who seems to be fairly healthy, who is still really, you know, developing. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. some good things from Tyler Johnson, but there's still room for growth. And you're kind of hoping that he'll he'll continue to, you know, reach those higher levels of expectations, even if it doesn't really quite manifest by December. He's got the whole season. I think this is, you know, not necessarily a, a playoff contending team at this point. And so they're they're going to be looking to see how quickly these players develop. But there, I think there's a little bit more uh, breathing room. It's not necessarily, you know, a, a now or, or die kind of deal. So right. I think I think uh, Rudy Gay just does not make sense for the Heat. If I had to if I had to say how the front office is thinking, I wouldn't think that they'd be willing to make a, a, a trade for this. And I think that there's still hope and faith that McRoberts will turn into a legitimate contributor. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about the timetable with Rudy Gay, you're right. It doesn't fit with the rest of this roster, how it's set up. The only way Rudy Gay does fit is that he's essentially on a one-year deal because odds are he's going to opt out, you know, because the, the, the salary cap goes even higher next year. Chances right. are he opts out and tries to cash in on that deal. Um so in that sense, you're basically renting a player for one year, and you can 
use that as a way to clear roster space. Now, it's not as if the Heat aren't going to have plenty of roster space next summer. Right. But if they really wanted to double down, I mean, I, w- I want to get to this in a second, but there are ways where you can maneuver your roster so that a Rudy Gay trade essentially gives you room for two All-Stars next summer. But um, I want to talk a little about Rudy Gay as a fit because I wonder if... I'm trying to think of what's the situation where the Heat would swing for Rudy Gay, right? Like, I, I agree with you. I, do, I think the, the chances are very, very slim. He, does, he just doesn't fit in the timetable. But what's the situation where they would do it? I think one of them would be absolutely that Chris Bosh isn't playing. Right, absolutely. And then you try to get Rudy Gay to play your small ball four, which I, I like Rudy Gay as a small ball, small ball four. I think, that's, I think that's the only place he's effective at at this point. And in there's his no career. room for him to do that in Sacramento, really, except for like maybe a lineup here and there. But DeMarcus Cousins and Willie Cauley-Stein are basically your four or five combination there. Um, so I like Rudy Gay in that situation just in, in a – in a vacuum, you know, in a basketball vacuum, regardless right. of what's with the Heat or not. But that makes sense for Miami if Bosch isn't there and Derek Williams or James Johnson or Josh McRoberts don't pan out at the four and they say, and maybe their record is better, right? Maybe they're right around 500 by December and, you know, between Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, Briante Weber maybe takes a step, you know, going into the season and they look at Tyler Johnson and are like, we don't really need this guy. We can maybe swing him trade him for Rudy Gay, get it, fix the weakest position on our roster, and make a push for the playoffs. Maybe that's a situation where that happens. But uh, again, I don't think that you can bail on Tyler Johnson with after just you know two months, basically, into his new contract. I just think, given that Rudy Gay is going to be gone, and you've got Tyler Johnson you know, inked into a long-term deal, whether or right. not you agree or disagree with how much money they're going to be paying him in years three and four of that deal, he's on a long-term deal. He's with the Heat for four years, and he's a young asset that they can move. Do you, do you want to basically blow that on the expiring contract of Rudy Gay, essentially? So that's I think you and I are agreeing there. Does, Gay doesn't really fit into the timetable, but I did want to just go dive down and kind of take Patrick's question and, and branch off a little bit. What about this? What if the Heat are not feeling Goran Dragic. And they trade Dragic and Josh McRoberts rather than Tyler Johnson and Josh McRoberts. They trade Dragic and Josh McRoberts to the Kings for Rudy Gay as well as Omri Caspi, who I like, mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Collison, the point guard. The Heat would be saving about $8.82 million next season, assuming Rudy Gay opts out. And it would also get the Heat out of Josh McRoberts' deal and open up the cap in 2018 and 2019, you know, as opposed to spending money in those years on a 32 and a 33 year old Goran Dragic. Coincidentally, those are the off seasons when Russell Westbrook will be a free agent. So, if in the world where Pat Riley or the Heat or you know whatever are going to say. It's going to be superstar or die. This is going to be our Sam Hinkie like process. We're not going to do it to the draft, though. We are going to we are going to make sure that we're in the hunt for a free agent every single summer and the most free agents possible. We don't want just one. We want like three. We want to do twenty ten all over again, basically. You could trade for Rudy Gay now, and by getting rid of Goran Dragic, essentially tank the season, right? Because as much as he fans have kind of dismantled Goran Dragic, yeah. yeah, I mean he's. Going from him to Rudy Gay is a major downgrade. So, 
you know, you're replacing Goran Dragic with a Darren Collison, who's a, a replacement level type point guard, right? Um, right. I like Darren Collison, but he's not. He's you know, he's an average point guard. Um, you know, that you're essentially tanking the season at that point. But the positives to tanking the season is that the Heat have their pick. So maybe they get into a lottery. They get another young player to pair with Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson and Tyler Johnson at that point. And you're basically cleaning house with all your veterans. Yeah, you have to deal with one more year of Rudy Gay. But he's essentially an expiring deal. And he's not going to look at that roster and say, yeah, I want to stay, stay here for $14.2 million when I could probably go make $18 million or $20 million elsewhere. He's probably gone. You can... That's... If if the Heat wanted to hit the reset button, that's a way to do it. But then you're also, I guess you're also assuming then that, as we stipulated before, the caveat would be that Chris Bosh yes. is clearly not available. Yeah, yeah, I should have said that. You're right. No, no, it's fine. It's just you know that's that's what probably what would precipitate having to clear house in the first place and 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 and, and you know make that kind of trade for for Rudy Gay a, a legitimate option. I, you know, I'm just I'm kind of. I'm I'm still hoping that Dragic will be able to assume the the leadership role here, and I'm also a little leery, as we've talked about again in recent podcasts. You know that the fact that if Miami is going to keep clearing this cap space every summer, if that's really going to be their their hinky like approach, but just through free agency, you know, as we discussed with you know CBS's Matt Moore, you know, without Dwayne Wade there, is there any guarantee that Miami is still a viable destination for free agents? Are they still going to be able to attract big name free agents every year, apparently or is Rudy it just going to be? To I'm sorry. So apparently, Rudy Gay wants to play in Miami still. Well, I mean, how legitimate was that report in the first yeah. place? I really didn't give it any kind of credence because I didn't think, you know, it, it wouldn't have been a, a, a real option until December, and God knows what could happen between here and there anyway. So to me, it wasn't. Something that I really consider too much, um, and, but you know, I just don't know if it's the the right move to continue clearing cap space up and, and building a short term deal. I know that that seems to be the approach this year in particular with all these one year and two year deals, um, where you want to keep everything as flexible as possible. But at the same time, I just think that that's a scary proposition, and you're kind of setting yourself up for failure, particularly when you don't have a guy like Wade. Who is is the guy who's going to be luring free agents? Is Whiteside that guy? Well, we don't know yet. I mean, it's it's banking a lot on a very very nebulous future, and that's what scares me a little bit about it. So, to me, I, I'd rather keep a guy like Dragic, who is a very proven commodity, and who I think still has room for, you know, more consistency and more upside here in Miami to be able to take control of this offense, rather than just a, a one year rental of Rudy Gay and maybe some nice pieces in Caspery and 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 you know Collison. So. Not to mention that you haven't really, if you trade Dragic at this point, you haven't really given a, him a, you haven't given a chance for that investment to pay out fully. Yeah, good point. Uh, and, and so I'm with you. I, I just wanted to kind of lay out some ideas of in a world where this would happen, that's, I think, how it happens. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of just interesting to think about. But speaking of the Goran Dragic trade, if we're going to keep taking this step further, Adam Borai, I know I'm butchering that, I'm sorry, um, on Twitter asked a two-parter. This is, our, I think, our first two-part question in a mailbag. This is exciting. It might be. Stuff. might be. Um, what are your thoughts on about a Goran Dragic to Houston trade for Clint Capella and Sam Decker? That's part one. Part two, if Goran is traded, would you prefer picks or players in return? That's, to me, the more interesting thing. I think, number one, right, Dragic to Houston for Capella and Decker. I like Decker. What do you think about Sam Decker? I think he's garbage. Um, okay. <laughs> what about yeah. Capella? I, I, I also like Capella. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not a big fan, I, although I think he's he's improved somewhat. But I, I mean, okay, maybe garbage is a little rough. I, um, I think yeah, his personality is fine. He seems like an interesting, intelligent guy, and he, and he kind of has a, a good sense of humor. Uh, him and Kaminsky were a fun duo with Wisconsin a couple of years ago. But coming out of the drafts, I remember a lot of a lot of people in the blast basketball Twitter sphere kind of saying, oh, he's got a lot of potential, a lot of upside, he's very athletic, this and that and the other. And to me, I always saw him kind of being slow and not particularly good at any one thing, maybe capable of playing a little small ball four, uh, I mean, maybe feeling the three position, maybe even not, not capable of guarding quicker shooting guards. So to me, he just didn't have the overall explosiveness or athleticism to really be much of a factor at the he NBA level. He hasn't really been a factor in Houston at all. Right. Well, he was hurt for most of the year. Yeah. Um, and he didn't, you know, he couldn't quite get out of the, the D league slump there. So he stayed down there developed a little bit, but then he was hurt and kind of shut down. So I just don't even think he can do a lot of things given the opportunity. But at this point in time, he's just, he didn't get many minutes. He only played what I'm seeing here. He played three games for Houston. I, I don't know if his D league numbers are here or not, but it doesn't really matter. Well, not, um, I don't even want to get bogged down in whether or not Capella or Decker are a fit because, the salaries don't even match up in the first place, right? It's Capella and Decker combined make about three million dollars. Dragic makes fifteen. So the, the trade to Houston is one that keeps coming up, and you and I have discussed before yeah. because of the the reuniting with Mike D'Antoni, who right. coached him in Phoenix. So it's a good fit for yeah, and the for, need for a point guard in Houston, right? So absolutely, yeah. Somebody sense. who can keep but, pace with you know, James Harden, etc. But Houston would have to basically attach Trevor Ariza and and Corey Brewer. To make that trade work, and Ariza and Corey Brewer are on multiple year contracts, the Heat aren't going to want to get sunk into those guys. They just who also don't fit their timeline. Absolutely. So to me, that doesn't work. Um, I mean, maybe in December, if the Heat are interested in making a move in trading Goran Dragic, right? If the season yeah. has just gone to shit at that point, and they want to trade Dragic. Maybe you call up Houston because of the D'Antoni connection, and maybe you float Capella and Decker plus Eric Gordon. And his $12 million four-year, you know, $12 million a year for four years deal, hmm. that's still a big contract to eat up for Eric Gordon. Yeah. But it's about the same that you're giving to Tyler Johnson. I don't know. Um, maybe they And maybe they like Eric Gordon. Maybe they think that it's a movable um, uh, uh, asset. Asset, yeah, that they could do. And then, you're, and then maybe they like Capella or, Draga, or, or Decker, I'm sorry, or both. So you get a couple of young guys in return. You know that's, but that would be in December because Gordon signed with Houston this offseason too. So you have to wait a few months into the season yeah. for that to be even available. I, there's a there's a lot to consider there. I mean, you have to consider right. you know with the roster, the fit. You know, they're they're young players if you're able to acquire them, but then you're you're sacrificing a lot getting a guy like Gordon. You know, there's already a glut in the backcourt. Are you just going like to add to it? Maybe the waiters didn't quite work out, so maybe you attach him to the deal. I don't know. And then that you get Eric Gordon to replace right. Dwayne Wade. I mean, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think of maybes, maybe yeah, scenarios. Yeah. But um, it's that second part of the question though that's more interesting. I think. Yeah. So let's get into that. Um, if Gordon was traded, would you prefer picks or players in return? <sighs> Given the fact that. Um, I think this roster is going to be kind of in a major state of upheaval next summer and the following summer because I'm not sure anymore that we can lure a big-name free agent here to kind of catapult us into our next level of, of championship contention. I would rather continue to build the draft. And that's weird for me to even say considering that, you know, typically as a Heat fan, I have dismissed the draft altogether. 
but I think that you have a chance to kind of build something more long-term, a better, younger team. And I think the draft is probably a better option as far as if you're going to trade away a guy like Dragic and you're going to obviously be part of a rebuild from now on, I think you'd rather go through the draft than maybe a player who's on an expiring deal um, or something along those lines. I just I don't know that we could possibly get equal value, somebody that fits this team as well, or somebody that's going to be a superstar level player. If you had, you know, during the summer we theorized that maybe Dragic is part of a, a trade package for Westbrook might work. If that was the case, absolutely. But if you're going to, you know, acquire, you know, second tier level players or fillers or guys that are on short term deals or whatnot, I'd rather get the picks and then try to continue to rebuild the team that way. Yeah, you know, Goran Dragic in the ESPN trade machine is going to be a really, really popular hit for yeah. Heat fans following about every Miami loss this season. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the first question you have to ask, and this is a much larger, broader, maybe full podcast type question, is, you know, how do the Heat get back in the championship contention? Once you answer that question, you know what kind of deal you would be looking for if you're going to trade Goran Dragic. Is the answer to tank and and get as many draft high draft picks as possible? Mm. You know, I think it depends. You know, I think if the Heat are bad and it looks like they're going to retain their lot or get a lottery pick this this coming summer. I think that the need for another pick is lessened. And sure. maybe at that point you're looking for a younger player on a long-term deal. Maybe somebody that can blossom into a superstar. A C.J. McCollum type, you know? Not that the trailblazers would take Dragic, but you know what I mean. Sure. Um, you know, somebody on in that kind of target range as far as maybe just about to break out. And if you can prize somebody away like that from a team who wants a veteran, you know, good point guard right away, right now, like Gordon Dragic, maybe that's an opportunity. I don't know who that is. I don't know if maybe the Lakers come calling and you're like, you know what, we're out on D'Angelo Russell. Mm. You know, maybe something like that, but... Um, they were originally linked to him, you know, via free agency, so it seems to make sense. Yeah, so... You know, it's. I would almost prefer that to a a a, a draft pick. Just hmm. like this this vague idea of a of a shot in the in the NBA draft. As long as that the Heat had their lottery pick. Now, if if the Celtics came calling and were offering Brooklyn's pick, I'd take that. But um, you know, for just like the average middle of the rut first round draft pick, no. Give me give me maybe a, a young player who's got a couple seasons in the NBA who still has got a couple seasons left on the rookie scale contract who could break out. I would rather have that. Um, but, um, yeah. But that even seems unlikely to, to be it a realistic right? package for I mean, Alec Dragic, yeah. Like, what if the Heat were, you know, 15, 10 to 15 games under five hundred by the trade deadline? And the Lakers maybe were outperforming their expectations but they were willing to say you know what we want to bring in a veteran guard for some reason whatever and they offered Julius Randle mm. you know Chris Bosh isn't playing that's the caveat of like this whole podcast discussion almost um, I mean Julius Randle isn't a sexy name but he was a top five pick uh, I think he was a lottery pick but yeah. you know power forward plays a position of need you know ostensibly and um you know, could potentially be better than what he has been. You know, you could be, you know, 
if if he's going to get better, if he's going to become an all star, this is where you buy him low. So I don't know, maybe something like that. Who knows? There's there's a lot to consider there, and it's you know we keep discussing Dragic as the, the the fall guy, right? I think he seems to be the name that that Heat fans have soured on the most. You know, you can't really attack Chris Bosh because of his injury, the fact that it's life threatening, et cetera. It's not like he right. anticipated this happening, and and you know he seemed like a great fit at the time. I mean, it was perfect to sign him to a huge deal. That it seems like an albatross now, two years later, because of his injuries and the fact that he's missed so much time. Well, who could have predicted that? And as far as Dragic is concerned. We've broken it down. We talked about it last week in our in our best five point guard of, of Heat history yeah. podcast. You know he's he's been much maligned. He's he's beaten up for every mistake that gets that takes place, whether it's his fault or not. And to me, he's still a gritty player that that has proven himself in a short time span for Miami, and I think can lead his team moving forward. So I'd rather not discuss options to trade him away because I still like him as a player and yeah, I still I like his potential. Comes fit. Down to it, we we would. Of all the options, we pick Keith Goran Dragic. Yes, I agree. So we, you know, we, fifteen million dollars a season, just about. That's a very like when Evan Turner is making eighteen million a year. That's a good right. deal, you know. Right. Regardless of whether or not he's living up to the two first round picks, that's a sunk cost. You know, that's gone. You're looking at what he is valued at now and what you're paying for him now, and that's about fifteen million dollars, which is very below market. It's basically half of what Mike Conley's making. So. All right, let's move on. Um, speaking of salaries, this is a, I like this email actually a lot. Tayshon Flats emails. I just realized that both Tyler Johnson and Jordan Clarkson signed contracts for the same amount in years, which is four years over for fifty million dollars. Do you think Tyler can have just as good an upside as Clarkson now that they're getting paid the same? Um, it's a tough question to answer from my perspective because I'm not really sure what Clarkson's upside is. Uh, and maybe you could answer that more fully. But as far as they're really getting paid, traditionally, players that get paid perform more poorly. I don't think that that's necessarily. I mean, the contract year is a legitimate thing that has impacted NBA throughout its history. You know, guys want to get paid, and that's when their production tapers off, not the other way around. They're usually more productive before well, they get paid. That, do you, well, now, well, they're both. They are both now. Entering the first year of that four-year deal, right? Right. So, do you think Tyler Johnson can basically be as good as Jordan Clarkson? Because Jordan Clarkson thus far in these first two seasons has been better than Tyler Johnson. Let me just lay out some stats really quick. Sure. That I thought were interesting. So, well, first of all, let me, let's just compare Tyler Johnson and Jordan Clarkson. Tyler Johnson's 6'4", 186 pounds. Right. Clarkson's 6'5", 185 pounds. Roughly the same size. They're literally a month apart in age. Tyler was mm-hmm. born on May 7th, 1992, and Clarkson was born on June 7th, 1992. They're both combo guard types who are probably going to be marginalized more as point guards than shooting guards, but are going to play a lot of the two. So in that respect, they're very, very similar, and that's why I think this comparison is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what I know about Jordan Clarkson, I think Tyler Johnson's a better defender than Jordan Clarkson. I agree. But he also came off the bench a lot more than Jordan Clarkson. Therefore, he's going against weaker competition. Jordan Clarkson has started 117 of his 138 games in the NBA. Yeah. Tyler 79 games last year. Of 68. Yeah. yeah, and the durability is also a factor as well. Right. I mean, considering Tyler Johnson's had injury issues for the first year and a half that he's been in the league, 
Uh, and, and Clarkson started 79 games last season in a, a fairly lost season with Kobe's retirement and everything else, but he still was a, a legitimate starter for most of the year. So that's that's impressive. So, um, They've been I, in the I, NBA for basically the same amount of time, but Clarkson has scored 1,928 points, 1,928 mm-hmm. points. Tyler scored 504, about a quarter of what Clarkson has attributed or contributed to the NBA, right? So that's not to say that Tyler Johnson is worse. He spent a lot of time in the D League. He didn't really get the opportunity that Clarkson did. Clarkson was a good player on, or you know, a, a average player on a very, very bad team. While Tyler Johnson was, you know, a developing player on a team with future Hall of Famers. So he didn't have the same kind of opportunity. But I like Jordan Clarkson a lot. I thought I thought he was really good for the Lakers. Um, I think he's a better shooter. I think he could be just as good as a defender if you kind of give him the same level of competition. If you tell him to go one-on-one, I think he would defend Tyler just as well as Tyler defending him. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's an interesting question. I really liked, I, like. I thought if Tyler Johnson got away and Jordan Clarkson became available almost like Deion Waiters did, if like mm-hmm. the Lakers were like, we're going to go all in on D'Angelo Russell, we don't have room for um, Clarkson because we signed all of these free agents also, which they didn't do. Um you know, maybe he would have been a, a nice little addition for the Heat, but uh, I like Clarkson more, I think, than Tyler Johnson. You know, Johnson's actually a better shooter, at least from three point range, thirty almost thirty eight percent to just under thirty four percent for Clarkson. Yeah, but he doesn't take. His, I think Clarkson shoots over three, over three three pointers a game, while I think Johnson averages like one point five. Yeah. So, and it's not. I don't, yeah, the percentage isn't that much different. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, my concern with Johnson has, has always been is the durability, whether or not he's going to continue to improve. And, and yeah, I think at this point he's probably a better defender, maybe even a better ball handler than Clarkson is, yeah. although there's still room for both players in that department to grow. I don't know. The, the question for me is, is still difficult to answer because we don't know what their upside is going to be like. You know, He's played a lot more for a really bad team in L.A. that Clarkson has as opposed to what Tyler Johnson is trying to do, trying to fit into a team that's veteran-laden and you know, had guys to fill in a number of different roles. And, of course, the injury set him back a little bit. So this will be really the year, I think, for him to prove whether or not he's, he's worth the investment that Miami has made in him. And you know, not, not that they'll give up on him. Again, I don't think they're liable to give up on him anytime soon. But he's going to have to prove himself over the course of the whole year. He's going to have to stay healthy. He's going to have to be productive off the bench or as a starter, whatever that role might be. And that's for Eric Spolster to figure out. He's going to really have to prove himself. So I, I don't know comparably as far – if I'm saying what their overall potential is, not necessarily in terms of you know their, their fit as far as the contracts or the years or anything like that. I, I would say Clarkson's probably a little bigger – maybe a little stronger and a little bit more durable. Uh, so I think he'd have the higher upside. He was also a second-round pick. So, you know, you think he probably has a little bit more just raw talent than Tyler Johnson who went undrafted? Well, that's I think that's a lot to do with the fact that, you know, Tyler Johnson is not 6'4". Yeah, well, I don't think Clark's on 6'5 either, but all these things are given a couple inches. Maybe, maybe an inch off. In, about, in, I think they're about the same size, whether or not it's they're both 6'3 or they're both 6'5. I think they're right around the same size. 6'2", hmm. 6'3". But... Um, but it's you know, I think you know for even money in a vacuum, I would take Clarkson. But you're right; like n- neither of these guys is going to be the player you anchor your team around. 
So right. it doesn't become who's better. You know, it's not just in a vacuum who's better. That doesn't even matter as much as how do they fit with the rest of their teammates. And I do like Tyler. I like, you know, the way that we are projecting Tyler Johnson. I like his fit along with, you know, a Josh Richardson and Goran Dragic. I like how he fits into that if he could stay healthy. I like his little combo guard, you know, thing that he could do, but be a 3 and D specialist where my, my, my takeaway from Jordan Clarkson is I think he wants to be a little bit more than just a 3 and D guy. I think he wants to get in the lane. I think he wants to handle the ball more. I think he wants to do more with, with the rock, which is why I think, you know, Laker fans are, are a little concerned about the, the mix between D'Angelo Russell and, and, and Clarkson in the first place, where it's Tyler Johnson, you don't worry about the the ball being in his hands, how long the ball is in his hands. You don't really worry about that. You just want to get him catch and shoot opportunities and let him defend at a high level. And that's where I think he projects. So I like that fit. So, you know, that's, I guess, in a vacuum, yeah, I take Clarkson, but I, give me Tyler Johnson for this team. Did Clarkson start at the point then? Well, Kobe was, uh, yeah, I guess D'Angelo Russell wasn't, you know, much of a factor. He came off the bench, so he started at the point guard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now I think with D'Angelo Russell, that's a whole thing for Lakers fans. If you want D'Angelo Russell to take the next step, he has to start. So now we're going to see Clarkson probably at shooting guard, and we'll get to see kind of a different flavor of Jordan Clarkson. So that'll be, you know, if you're going to watch Laker games, that can be interesting. All right, moving on. Um... Last question from Jerome Parks: Would Gordon Hayward be a fit next season in the 2017 free agency? What are your thoughts on Gordon Hayward? I I love him as a player. Yeah. I think he's great. I think you know he's like so many before him, like Paul Millsap, like Al Jefferson, like others in recent years. Uh, maybe even Rodney Hood and, and some guys that are still on the team. He's just you don't know how good they are because they play in Utah. And that's a team that hasn't achieved a lot of or any postseason success in recent years. They're not really a national television. They played it late. So if you're an East Coast fan, you're generally not seeing a lot of Gordon Hayward yet. He's been a real factor against Miami in recent years. He's a very solid player who can do he can really do it all. He's a, a solid rebounder, a good facilitator, really good shooter and scorer. And, and a pretty adequate defender as well. So, I, I mean, I really like his style of play, and I think he'd be a great fit here. Again, to back up that same recurring thing, if you're bringing in a guy like Hayward, clearly Bosch is no longer available to play for Miami, and you're confident that Justice Winslow is going to be your small ball four. And I like that fit. I think that's both, you know, both of us have, have seen in the past that, that he's, he'd probably be thriving there as a power forward because he can defend bigger guys like that. He's quick enough. He can use that speed to his advantage. Um, and that would be the, the next phase of Miami basketball would be Winslow at the four and then Hayward at the three. And that is a great combination, I think, because it spaces the floor. It fits really well. keeps us young. Um, he'll be entering his eighth season at that point because this will be his seventh one. And he's a veteran already who's, who's shown that he can – do this for a long period of time. He's been consistent as a player and scorer. Um, and I really like his fit over a guy like maybe Blake Griffin or others. Maybe not as big a name, but I think as an overall fit, if you're able to keep Winslow at the four, bring a guy like Hayward in, and then maybe shore up the guard position with Josh Richardson or Tyler Johnson or you know whoever's there, there Goran, if they're still available, and Hassan Whiteside, I think that's a really good, deep, capable lineup that can space the floor and, and score at a high level and defend at a pretty good level as well. Yeah, I love Gordon Hayward's two-way versatility. I Absolutely, mean, he can score, handle the ball. You, you can run, an, you can run your offense through Gordon Hayward, um, and he's had to do that in Utah. 
mm-hmm. the last several seasons, basically since he's been in the NBA. He hasn't had the help on offense, especially, that he probably should have. If you put him on a team that has a Gordon, Drag- a Gordon Dragic, now Hayward doesn't have to be your lead ball handler. It could be that secondary guy that you run your offense through. That's a very, very valuable thing to have. But now in Utah, he's going to have that help. I mean, they just traded for George Hill. I think it was a very good trade for them. They just signed Joe Johnson, former Heat player. And yep. uh, Boris Diaz there is a veteran kind of guy who knows how to be creative on offense. Um, this is going to be a Utah Jazz team that a lot of people really, really like. So my question is, is Hayward, you know, Hayward is a fit for Miami, I think. You just laid out the situation perfectly. Why would he come to Miami if Utah is this up-and-coming team on the rise, young, talented, a lot of, like, in a really good situation cap-wise um, and asset-wise? And what a lot of people are saying might be the antidote to what the Warriors are doing because of their length. It's, they're almost like the next Thunder because of their length and versatility. Um, that said, Gordon Hayward's been in Utah for a long time, and maybe he's ready for a change of scenery. Sure. So, it's... Is he a fit? Yeah. I think he would be great. I, li- I like the idea of him playing the three while Winslow plays the four. I think if push comes to shove and he's the only free agent that Pat Riley get, can get... And Chris Bosch is still able to play. I think that they and they're able to sign Gordon Hayward. I'm not sure how the cap thing works out with all that, but they should be able to do that. I think with the raising cap, I think they he would just sign Gordon Hayward and figure out what to do with Justice Winslow, Chris Bosch, and Gordon Hayward. You know, he could have those three guys playing if Chris Bosch is healthy, and then just figure it out. Because when it when push comes to shove, if he's the best guy Pat Riley can get and can and is willing to sign, he'll just sign him and figure out the rest of it later, right? He'll say, yeah. Spo figured this out. But, um, yeah. I like Gordon Hayward. He's one of my favorite players, and he's definitely one of my top players in next year's free agency. But before we get to any of that, we got to play this season out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of these mailbag questions, and thank you so much for sending them, but a lot of them have to do with next summer. Let's get some questions next time for this year. There's some good players on this team, man. Like we gotta get hyped for this season. We got a whole yeah. month to go until the season even starts. We're already looking at next summer. Yeah, we we haven't even talked about. It. We really didn't have the opportunity to do so. But you know, the letter that came out from Mickey Arison to fans about this upcoming season seemed like an optimistic one, as well it should be. And he, he talked about Chris Bosh in the present tense, not necessarily in the past tense. So he considers him like so many before him, teammates, Pat Riley, etc. That Chris is going to be available to play this season. So with him there. I mean, think of that. I, I was listening to a great podcast the other day about the Denver Nuggets, and, and you know they consider Wilson Chandler, who lost most of the season to injury, as a big free agent pickup. And that's Wilson friggin' Chandler. Consider Chris Bosh coming onto this team as a full-time player and healthy and ready to go. And then look at the, the Miami's potential in the Eastern Conference. I think they're still a deep, capable team, and I think we should have some optimism. Maybe not necessarily a title contender, but then again, who is – in comparison to the Golden State Warriors, you know, a juggernaut, but right. a good, with, solid with team. Bosch healthy, I mean, you're looking at a top three of Gordon Dragic, Chris Bosch, and Hassan Whiteside. I'd put that top three up against anybody other than Cleveland, you know, in the East. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's our mailbag question. We answered it ourselves. Why can't <laughs> we like this season? That's our mailbag question. Um, no, but we do appreciate everybody that did ask um, mailbag questions. You could do so by emailing us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, same thing, LockedOnHeat. 
Um, that's all we got for today. Whether you're listening to iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, thank you for listening. Get in touch with the show on Twitter or on email, where you can send us mailbag questions. Just say hi. And um, that's all at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Again, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us, David. You got it, Wes.